Is Canada moving to a political consensus on climate change? Don't get ahead of ourselves here, but we did see a major shift uh, from Aaron O'Toole as he reversed course last week and announced that the Conservatives, if elected, would bring in what he's calling a pricing mechanism on carbon. He was quick to say it's not a tax, though, but come on, carbon levy, carbon pricing, carbon tax, it's all semantics. Canadians are smarter than that. You can call it what you want. We know what it is. Um, There are differences between the plan that O'Toole brought forward and the current plan brought in by the Trudeau government. For starters, it is cheaper. It starts at $20 a ton. Max is out at $50 a ton. Uh, The Trudeau plan currently, right now, is $40 a ton, and it's going to go up to $170 by 2030. And there's also uh, the main difference here is how that money will be returned to Canadians, something that both parties do have in common. Uh, The details are, you know, a little more nuanced, though. The bigger discussion is the shift towards agreement. Both parties now have carbon pricing in the platforms around economics and the environment. Joining us now, we have Stuart Eagle joining us. Uh, Stuart, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's LG. LG. Okay, I'm sorry. I was wondering because I have two spellings here, and I and I took a guess. It was fifty fifty, and I missed. I apologize for that. But okay. I appreciate your time. Uh, Stuart is a professor of law and economics at the University of Ottawa and director of the school's Environment Institute. So, you know, Stuart, it's the end of a multi-year fight for the Conservatives, is what it is against carbon taxing, and it's a it's a huge shift in policy. So let's break it down. Do you think, as Canadians and you know, as a whole, are we moving towards a consensus right across all the political spectrum here, or is this just politicking? Well, I think that the, the political gulf just got a lot smaller. I think what O'Toole has recognized is what most economic economists and business leaders have known for years, which is that carbon pricing is the lowest cost way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions uh, and build a low carbon economy. If you're serious about tackling climate change and building uh, an economy of the future, carbon pricing has to be part of your plan. If you look at previous conservative plans like Shears, um, they didn't have a real strategy for getting to getting to climate change and dealing with the issue. And, and not dealing with climate change has real costs on the economy. Uh, and not dealing with climate change means missing the opportunities of positioning Canada for growth and jobs in a world that's moving to a low-carbon economy, whether we like it or not. Right, that's the thing. Whether we like it or not, this is happening, and you, you sort of have to get with the program or, or get run over. Um, I want to take a second, if, if you can do this. Um, there's a lot of people who say, how can you tax your way out? How can you tax... Uh, an effective strategy, how is that going to work to reduce carbon? Um, From all the reports that I've read, economists seem to agree that that is the most effective way to reduce carbon. Of all the tools in the tool chest, that's the one that you can go to. How does it work? How does a carbon tax actually make a difference? Well, without getting into the kind of economic details, at an intuitive level, when you charge more for something, people use less of it. I mean, everybody knows that, right? If that were not true, all of modern economics wouldn't work. So by charging more for carbon pollution, people and businesses will look for alternatives as a way to lower their footprint. And the the higher the charge and and the more you look ahead and realize it's going to be here for years, the more the incentive is to try to change your behavior. Um, And so if you look at British Columbia, Quebec, California, or the dozens of other places in the world, like China and most of Europe, They've been pricing carbon, in D.C.'s case, for for 12 years, and all the evidence shows it works really well. 
Um, BC has had the highest GDP growth in Canada since 2008, uh, and yet its emissions have stayed steady. So its, its GDP is growing by more than 33%, and its emissions have stayed steady. Uh, California, similar story. Some of the highest GDP growth in the U.S., and its emissions have gone down. So there's lots of evidence that right. carbon pricing works and that it's the lowest cost way to reduce emissions. In fact, that's what the Supreme Court of Canada found last week. And interestingly, even the governments of Alberta, Quebec, and uh, sorry, Alberta, BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Ontario, the ones who were challenging the price in court, their lawyers all admitted that carbon pricing works. And there was a judge actually looked at the lawyer and said, that's not what your political masters are saying. But the Supreme Court agreed based on the evidence. All the evidence shows it works. Um, okay. And I think that, uh, you know, that, that has been accepted largely by the political leaders in our country. So let's take a look at these two different plans, the liberal one and the conservative one. Um, it's certainly more modest and cheaper than the liberal pe- plan in terms of cost to consumers. Does that mean it will be less effective or is this, is this a decent alternative? No, it's a good question. So both plans have carbon pricing. As you say, the conservative one starts a little bit lower and then ramps up. Um, The one thing they both have in common is they both give all of the carbon pricing revenue back to consumers. Um, The liberal plan does it through lump sum rebates to Canadians. So in the liberal plan, most Canadian households will actually get more money back than they pay in. In the conservative plan, it comes in the form of a a personal savings account, a little bit like your air miles account, and um, all the money you spend on fossil fuel-related products, oil, gas, or if if you have coal-powered energy, will go into an account, and then you can use that account, but only to pay for low-carbon things like a transit pass, a high-energy efficiency heater or windows, maybe save it up and buy an electric car. Um, So... Their plan, both of them will give the money back to consumers. They just do it in different ways. Um, The conservatives' plan will be complex. I mean, finding a way to keep track of all people's carbon-related purchases and put them into account will mean setting up a whole new tracking apparatus that doesn't exist now. Um, But it's an interesting idea, and it could work. Um, In terms of which will work better, I guess the big difference is this, if you want to boil it all down. The conserv- both of them agree we're going to meet Canada's Paris target, and that's really important. This is the first time we've had a credible plan from the Conservatives to meet Canada's climate targets, so they deserve credit for that. Um, they lean less heavily on carbon pricing to get there. They rely more heavily on government regulations, particularly regulations to bring about cleaner fuels, um, cleaner oil, gas, and natural gas those regulations will be a little more costly than carbon pricing. And so the conservative plan um, you know, will be a little bit more costly in terms of the regulations, but they find cost savings elsewhere. So on balance, the total cost probably pretty similar. Liberals rely a little bit more on pricing. Conservatives rely a little bit more on regulation. Both of them give the money back to consumers. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. 
Question from one of our listeners, and it makes sense. If it's revenue neutral and you get all the money back you spend anyway, doesn't that undercut the whole message of it costs you more so you will spend less? Yeah, it's a really good question. I get that a lot. So there's two things happening. One is, so let's use the liberal plan because it's easier to, to sort of explain it. Mm-hmm. In the liberal plan, I will pay a carbon tax when I buy oil or gas or coal-powered electricity, and then I get a lump sum back regardless of how much I pay. So the way it works out is if I'm a household that manages to lower my carbon footprint a lot, I pay less and less carbon tax, but I still get the same lump sum amount back. The amount you get back isn't tied to your carbon tax. Under the Liberal plan, you've got a real incentive to lower your carbon footprint um, because you pay less in carbon tax, but you get the same rebate back as everyone else gets. You you come out ahead. Mm -hmm. The more you lower your footprint, the more you come out ahead. So if you were getting the money back dollar for dollar and everything you paid for, for, um, for a carbon tax, then it wouldn't have the incentive. If I went to the gas station and paid, you know, a dollar in carbon tax when I filled up and I got a dollar back, wouldn't have it, but it doesn't happen that way. You pay the carbon tax, and everyone gets the same rebate. So if you drive down your carbon consumption, you come out ahead. The conservatives plan a little different. So they do give you the money. The money you pay in is the money you get back. The way they try and do it is they say that goes into a special account that you can only use for low-carbon purchases, the kinds of things I talked about before, right? Energy-efficient windows, um, a transit pass, um, maybe save up for an electric car. So in their case, by making sure that that money comes back to people and gets spent on carbon-reducing items and products in their life, that will their idea, and it's a good idea, is that that actually will also drive down emissions. So two different plans, both of them give the money back, but both of them keep a real incentive to reduce emissions in the course of doing it. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of nuance in there, and on a surface, I think a lot of people just reject it because it, it, it takes a bit of doing to get to a point where it does make sense, to be fair. Um, yeah, it's a little, the conservative one is a little trickier to understand. The liberal one's simpler, right? Like if I pay... Yeah. You know, let's say I pay $100 a year when you add up all my carbon taxes and I get $140 back in rebate, I come out ahead. And if I can find a way to drive down my carbon emissions, so I'm only paying $80 a year in carbon taxes, yep. I'm still yep. getting $140 back. So their plan's a little simpler to understand. Um, so, uh, you know, ultimately, I would have to think that, you know, uh, being here in Alberta and knowing that they put up a big fight and took it all the way to the Supreme Court, ultimately losing that challenge. You know, part of the issue here is provinces can get on board and really change the dynamic because they don't have to be subject to either of these plans if they have their own plan in place. Exactly. So do you think that is ultimately where we as a country will end up each province making decisions for themselves rather than just defaulting to the federal plan? Well, look, from a pure efficiency perspective, it probably would be more efficient to have one national carbon pricing approach across the country. But we live in a federation. Um, Each province has different economies and different priorities. So this idea of letting each province develop its own carbon pricing plan is kind of like the approach we've taken to healthcare. Right? The federal government sets these national minimum standards, and every province has to meet that minimum, but then can tailor their plan to meet their own situation. So I think that is where we'll end up. Um, I think in many ways, you know, the opposition to carbon pricing has been more about politics than economics. Um, and I think 
you know, really, if you, if you the, the, the fact that the CEOs in the oil industry all support carbon pricing, right? Yeah, kind of shows you that it works, right? That this is really this is not based in true economic opposition. Uh, if you're serious about reducing emissions, pricing has to be part of your plan. And I think some of the people fighting carbon pricing, really, in truth, weren't serious about reducing GHG emissions. But even regardless of what you think about climate change, and there still are some people out there who who are skeptical. The world is moving to a low-carbon economy. Right? You can look around you and see more and more electric and hybrid cars on the road, more and more wind and solar electricity, high-efficiency buildings. Uh, hydrogen is coming in as a source of transport fuel. There's now an airline in British Columbia, an all-electric airline flying from Vancouver to Victoria. I mean, investors, banks, and businesses, the market has decided that we are moving to a low-carbon future. And if we want to get our share of jobs and growth in that future economy, we've got to keep pace with the leading nations in that change. And the same is true for Alberta. That doesn't mean ending the production of oil and gas. You know, um, the world will still continue to use oil and gas. In fact, probably the levels will stay steady at least for a couple of decades, most projections say, and we'll still use it after. But it means producing it in a much more efficient way probably using clean technologies like carbon capture, and hopefully we'll see incentives in the budget today for that. But it also means diversifying to other markets for oil and gas. We can do more than just burn the stuff. Uh, Selling it for carbon fiber, for example, you earn more um, unit per unit of oil and gas. You can make more selling it as a product for carbon fiber than just burning the stuff. So it means thinking in a more broad, diversified way about how to take this incredible resource, as well as the other things that Albertans you know, are really good at producing. It's, uh, I used to live in Alberta and worked at University of Alberta, so I, I know what a ingenious, hardworking, innovative group Albertans are. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point. We don't have to like it. We don't have to agree with it. A lot of people don't even have to believe in it, but if you want to be part of the system and the global economy and the national economy as it moves forward, you at least have to be considerate of this and have some sort of plan in place or you don't get to play. Yeah, you can't take a Donald Trump approach and just say, look, I'm going to bury my head in the sand and pretend the world isn't changing because our kids are not going to thank us for that 10 years from now. Right. It's a little bit like free trade, right? Back uh, 25 years ago, at least 30 years ago now, you know, we had an economy in Canada built on economic protection and high tariffs. And we looked around and said, the world's changing. It's moving to free trade. And we can either, you know, get with it or get left behind. And we chose to get with it. We signed a free trade agreement. There was a lot of political fighting over it for a few years. But once it was done, we all got on board. And it was a really good decision. Set us up for three decades of economic success. We're kind of at that same moment now. That the world is moving to a low-carbon future across all sectors of the economy, whether we like it or not, and we can either do what we did with free trade and keep pace with the leaders, or we can get left behind right, and yeah. regret it later. And so and carbon pricing is a critical part of tackling climate change and moving to a low-carbon economy. It's not the only thing we need to do. You know, that we need to have smart regulations, we need to have targeted tax incentives, we need to have infrastructure that supports clean energy systems and clean transportation. So we need all those things, but, but a price on carbon that ripples through all of the economy is the foundation of it. And the conservatives and liberals now agree that carbon pricing is a cost-effective way, and that's a good thing for Canada. You know, up until now, the, the fact that there was this political difference was scaring investment away from Canada. Uh, investors sure, thought yeah. that every time there's an election, these policies were going to get ripped up, and they put their money elsewhere. 
Um, they put it in places, you know, where conservative governments didn't disagree with climate change. In most of the world, that's true. Boris Johnson's a conservative. Angela Merkel's a conservative. California's been led by conservative premiers. Even, you know, right-of-center parties in B.C. and Quebec have supported carbon pricing. So investment is going in places where there's a stable, predictable um, approach to climate policy and getting rid of this partisan divide in Canada over carbon pricing is actually really good. It will attract more and more investment here in the jobs and growth of the future and we want that. Yeah, It's just good business. Uh, okay, Stuart, thank you so much for breaking it all down for us today. I really appreciate it. Happy to, happy to be on board. That is Stuart Elgy, who is um, with the Smart Prosperity Institute, a professor of law and economics at the University of Ottawa and a director of the university's Interdisciplinary Environment Institute.